Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back. Hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show on this Wednesday. Happy hump day, everybody. It's 8.02 in Tucson. And we're here uh, broadcasting live as uh, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Glad to be with you guys here every weekday from 7 to 9. Happy holidays to you all. Hope you're all staying healthy out there, staying safe, and uh, getting ready to celebrate some uh, reason for the season. If you're listening on the AM side at 1490, we appreciate that. If you're listening on the FM side where you can get a little more uh, depth of voice, I don't know. I still like listening to talk radio on AM. I guess I'm just old school and I'm just crotchety. But if you're listening on the FM side at 104.9, we also appreciate you there. If you're listening via the live stream, which you can find on ESPNTucson.com, we appreciate you. And if you've downloaded the podcast or are listening somewhere magically in the future, we appreciate that as well as you've been able to find the download or find the podcast at all the places you can download podcasts, whether it be Audible, Amazon, Apple, Tuner, Stitcher, TuneIn, Stitcher. I, I, although I don't know if Amazon, is Amazon working again? Like, did, did they get their stuff together? Whatever they, whatever happened with them yesterday? Uh, I don't know. They had some, they had some problems yesterday. So uh, I guess I think maybe they got it fixed. I got my deliveries yesterday, which I needed from Amazon. So that was good to see. Uh, we have uh, a, a good, you know, a good amount of topics to get into. Specifically, we're going to stay local a lot here in hour number two because there's a lot of things to get into locally. The uh, the basketball teams, both men's and women's teams, are highly relevant right now. Both uh, ranked number six and eleven, women's and men's respectively. The Arizona football team continues to stay relevant, especially in this early recruiting period. We talked with Matt Moreno on Monday, who was, our, uh, of course, our recruiting specialist, recruiting insider for all things Arizona football and basketball. And we talked about T. Tyroa McMillan. I discussed him yesterday as he is really being torn in, in opposite directions right now as, you know, it's, again, I feel for the kid. He's just had his dream school, you know, the, the coach just up and left. The coach took, you know, not only himself, but he also took one of his recruiting coordinators who T-Mac had a relationship with. They've gone to Miami now. We'll get into some of that in college football talk a little bit later on if we have some time for that because uh, Mario Cristobal addressed the media yesterday for the first time as Miami's new head coach. But, you know, T-Mac right now being torn and, and – you know, we had discussed the possibility of Lincoln Riley jumping in there now that he's at USC, going into his backyard and being able to just pluck players out of the Los Angeles and Southern California area rather easily. I still think that it's it's. Be, I think Arizona's in a really good spot. Both Matt Moreno and I agree that Arizona's in a really good spot for one of the nation's top wide receiver recruits. It all depends on what Oregon is doing right now to scramble to keep their recruits in place. And let me tell you, Noah Fafita's mom, of course, Noah Fafita, the quarterback from Anaheim Servite that's going to be coming in. He's early enrollee. He's going to be joining Arizona, uh, the football program, in January alongside his very, very talented tight end from Servite, Kean Burnett. 
They're going to be coming in here in January, early enrollees to get this thing going. And the third leg of their of their Juice Brothers or whatever they the Juice Crew or whatever they call themselves um, is is T Mac T Tyrone McMillan, and Noah Fafita's mom has been absolutely relentless in her pursuit of trying to get T Mac to switch his commitment to come to Tucson and play with the boys. It is, it's it's kind of like exciting. And it's also, like, I feel so bad for the kid because imagine being in that position. You're ready to go to Oregon. It's your dream school. He's always, he's always dreamed of going to Oregon and being a part of the, you know, the, the whole Nike system up there and all the NIL opportunities. He, he's, look, I've, I've talked to people who have watched him play that have no idea who he was committed to, no idea that he was one of the top players in the country, no, you know, just they were just watching high school football because they enjoy watching any kind of football. My buddy texted me; he was watching Servite play a few weeks ago. He's like, uh, he's like, hey, I'm watching this uh, this game on on uh, TV right now. This uh, Servite school in Anaheim sounds like you guys have a couple of commits from there. And I'm like, yeah, they're really good. He goes, have you watched their wide receiver? He he's he just he's dominating this game. They, nobody can stop him. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know who you're talking about. Even he was like, this kid is remarkable. Like, he's he's taller than everybody on the field. He's faster than everybody on the field. He's just he looks like Randy Moss out there against everybody else. And so it's, it, it's, it's difficult for me to kind of watch this whole thing. It, it, look, as a, as a Wildcat fan and also as, a, you know, a, an employee of the football program and basketball program, I want nothing more than to have T. Tyroa McMillan wearing a Wildcat uniform for the next three, four years before he decides to go to the NFL and, and dazzle people in the NFL with his talents. It's just, it's tough to watch right now because I feel for that young man. I feel greatly for that young man as he is just right now, he's, it's got to be causing him loss of sleep because he's not playing football. You know, he's not, he doesn't have that outlet to go and shut out the outside world Go and play some football. Be with your boys on the field. You know, put the pads on, catch football, run, score, touchdown. He doesn't have that going on right now. Season's season's over. He's only got everything that's going on regarding where he's going to be playing football next season. So I feel for the kid. I hope he makes the right decision and uh, decides to come to Tucson because that, that would be the right decision as far as I'm concerned, as far as everybody here in Tucson is concerned. We'd love to have him, and uh, he would be a star here, obviously. Let's continue talking some Wildcat football because the Cats uh, yesterday received some respect, and I mean real respect, from Pac-12 coaches. The Pac-12, the all Pac-12 teams were named yesterday, the first teams, the second teams, and the honorable mention teams. And Arizona received two honorees on the first team. Now, both are being represented as special teams uh, additions to the to the All Pac-12 team, but nonetheless, uh, credit where credit is due, and the respect that they've earned from their uh, from the coaches in this league cannot be denied. As punter Kyle Ostendorp, the uh, the very very talented sophomore punter, was third in the entire country in net punting yards, led the uh, led the Pac-12 in net punting. We obviously got to see how just how impactful he was in games for this team. He was named Pac-12 first-team punter, 
and Stanley Berryhill was named the all-purpose player to the first team in the Pac-12. Of course, Stanley, who's now going to take his talents to the NFL, and we wish him all the best, and I hope to see him on an NFL roster because I think he can make a difference uh, in an NFL team. I think that his future in the world of special teams in the NFL is going to be, uh, hopefully, it's a prominent one, and then he can stay healthy because he's got, He's got all the all the right tools to play special teams in the NFL and to excel at it. And he was honored as well by the Pac-12 coaches. They named him first team all-purpose player, which look that's that's a wonderful honor. Now, when you when you you know when you say this, like okay, great, we had two guys on the team. We were you know one eleven this year. We won one conference game. Think about this. This is the first time that the Wildcats have earned a first team. A Wildcat player has been named to the first team by the Pac-12 coaches since J.J. Taylor was, I think he was second in the league in rushing that year in 2018. So it's been three seasons since the Wildcats have even had one player named to the first team. And it's been since 2010 that the Wildcats have had two players honored with first team recognitions. In 2010, it was wide receiver Jerron Kreiner, and defensive end slash pass rush specialist Brooks Reed, who obviously went on to have a nice career in the NFL. So think about that. In these, look, you think about the job that was done by this coaching staff to be able to produce something that hasn't happened in 11 years. When this team has had plenty of success during that time, they went to a Fiesta Bowl in that amount of time. Still didn't get two players named to the Pac-12 first team. Nearly won the conference that year. They went to played in the Pac-12 championship game against Oregon. Didn't have two players. Only had one player named that year. So think about that. And and again, people are going to say, "Oh, it's a punter and and, uh, and the the all-purpose guy." You know what? Those guys have been named every single year, and Arizona still hasn't had those guys named to the team. So I you know I'm not I'm not trying to hear that. Credit where credit is due, and they earned the respect from their fellow coaches because when Arizona went and played against those coaches, they earned their respect by how they played. And Kyle Ostendorp was a game changer for the for the for the Wildcats this year, absolute game changer with his punting prowess. He was so good at pinning teams deep, booming the ball when the offense had sputtered giving the defense an opportunity to play a full 80-yard field or a 90-yard field at times instead of giving the other team the ball at the 35 or the 40-yard line and giving up tons more points. Also in the all-Pac-12 team on the second team, Keon Bars, defensive tackle. And look, Keon had a fantastic year, and he was absolutely dominant. If it weren't for a couple of guys who were named, you know, to the first team. Look, you know, uh, Tui Pelotu that we saw, the, the, the really, really just dazzling young player at USC, he was named to first team. Uh, Mika Tafua at Utah has controlled the line of scrimmage all season long. Uh, Tyler Johnson, who is playing at Arizona State, he was fantastic all year as well. All three of those guys deserving of that spot uh, in the defensive tackle. Uh, position. But Keon Bars, man, I tell you what, he was so good this year. Really great at pass rush, getting, you know, getting plenty of uh of of TFLs and lots of tackles behind the line of scrimmage. 
and I can't say enough about the effort that that man gave this season. It seemed like he would get banged up and he'd go off the field, and next thing you know, he's coming back on to play defense on a big third down and making a big play. I loved watching him play this year. He was awesome. Um, I wish there had been more spots because I feel like Mo Diallo also was was deserving of a position on that second team alongside his teammate Keon Bars. But nonetheless, look, there's a lot of good players in, in the Pac-12, especially on, on, on the defensive line this year, really good players in the Pac-12 this year. So Keon Bars getting named to the second team. He's the first Wildcat to be named to the second team since 2015 when punter Drew Riggleman was the second team punter in the Pac-12 that year. So again, you know, when you talk about, well, you know, the, it, this team is 111 and these coaches didn't do anything this year and blah, blah, you know, people that, that badmouth the team, look at, just look at this team's history over the last five, six years and tell me that this is a, a, a program and a roster that was befitting a better than one win season given everything that they had and all their cards on the table. Uh, it's just it's just not it's just not real. It's not realistic to think that way. And the Wildcats had several honorable mentions in the Pac-12 uh, on the all, all Pac-12 team. Senator Josh McCauley, who I, I mean you, that kid, I tell you what, he played his tail off this year. He played more snaps than any player on this team this season as the center. Uh, of that uh, that offensive line. He was the anchor of the offensive line. He was the highest rated, as far as pro football focus is concerned, he was the highest rated offensive lineman on the team. And he has earned that spot. Uh, as the honorable mention, all Pac-12 earned the respect of the coaches. Uh, Trevon Mason, another defensive tackle. Love seeing him there. I, Trevon was great against the run this year. Has been just a tremendous athlete in his time at Arizona, and I'm looking forward to more out of Trevon in the future. Uh, Anthony Pandy, linebacker, led the Wildcats in tackles this year, a team leader, a captain. He was named honorable mention, and kicker Lucas Haversick. Um, didn't have the best year efficiency-wise as far as kicking the ball. Tyler Loop took over the, the short distance kicking Lucas Haversick with you know the mule, as you want to call him, with that ridiculous leg of his. Uh, he led the conference in kickoff touchback percentage this year and was third in the country in kickoff percentage uh, as far as touchbacks go. So um, that big leg, again, helping out Arizona. They, you know, when, you, when you're a team that is in Arizona's position, you can't give the ball to playmakers, as we saw what happened in the Territorial Cup game last year in Tucson. You, you, just, you, you have to take playmakers out of games when you're up against it like that, as Arizona has been the last several years. Kicking the ball out of the back of the end zone, leaving no doubt and no opportunity for the team to gain momentum, uh, you know, the, the opposition to gain momentum and just spotting the ball at the 25 every single time you kick off was so valuable for this team, and uh, he was recognized for that as well. So congratulations to all of the Wildcat football players who were named to the All-Pac-12 team. Again, there was a few guys that I felt like could have earned uh, a position on the All-Pac-12 team as well. I mentioned Mo Diallo. He's just one of a few guys that I, that I feel had just, you know, great, good enough season, certainly, uh, you know, deserving of, of, of a recognition. But, uh, you know, Mo missed some time, of course, with injuries, and there were some other players who missed time with injuries. So I get it. Um, and, look, it's a, it's, it's a Power 5 conference. And you're talking about a one-win team. So 
I get that you know if you're if you're trying to decide between the guy from Arizona and the guy from Oregon State, let's say, um, you, you might you might side with the guy from Oregon State. It's uh, it's totally understandable. Uh, coming up after the break, there were some other changes to Wildcat football. Of course, as uh, uh, they mentioned yesterday, and we we kind of knew this was coming, right? We kind of uh, had a had a had a feeling that Keith Dzinski was going to take the defensive coordinator job at UMass when uh, when Don Brown was announced as their uh, as the head coach at UMass. So I look, I I get it. Um, you know he'll be missed, and I thought he did a great job this year with the linebackers and with his uh, special teams coordination. And the car and the uh, uh, the uh, the Wildcats need to replace him. I have a name for someone whom I think will be a good replacement for Keith Dzinski, and a guy that that the the Wildcats may want to take a look at or should take a look at, at least as far as I'm concerned. I'm concerned. The NFL playoffs are getting closer and closer, and to help you stay on top of the action, FanDuel Sportsbook is giving you a $10 bonus when you place $20 in same-game parlay bets. You can bet on a single game, or you can spread your bets out across multiple matchups. It's up to you. As long as you bet 20 bucks in same-game parlays during the same week of NFL action, you're going to get a $10 bonus. I got my $10 bonus last week. Last week was the kickoff for this promotion. Now, Week 14, of course, features the huge Monday night matchup between the Rams and Cardinals. I've already tipped my hand as you know where I'm going to be leaning as far as the money line goes. I'm going to go with the Rams there. But I'm going to couple that together for a three-leg SGP with the over total points. Tyler and I agree that there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. And I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford over passing yards. I just feel like without a, a good running attack, they're going to have to throw the ball about 50 times. So I like that prop in there as well. And there's plenty of ways you can build your own SGP. And some of the things that make FanDuel Sportsbook America's number one sportsbook so great is the fast payouts. I got paid in five minutes yesterday when I had a, uh, when I had a, a, a bet that, that came through for me. Five minutes is all it took. The app is incredibly easy to use, and there are safe and secure transactions being made every single day there. Now, this same game parlay bonus is live. It was live last week during week 13. It opens up again tomorrow for week 14 and for week 15. So lock in some winners today and enjoy a $10 bonus on FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, great. Sign up using the promo code DEAN to get 30-to-1 odds on either team to win the Browns-Ravens rematch. So you can place a $5 bet, win $150 just by picking one of those teams to win. 30-to-1 odds, but you got to use my promo code DEAN so that they know that I sent you. And it's exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 or over in present in Arizona. Bonus is issued as issued is non-withdrawable site credit that expires seven days. Max bonus is $10. Restrictions apply. See terms of sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. More Wildcat football news and some Wildcat basketball talk coming up next on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. ESPN Tucson invites you to the Sierra Auction, a live in-person public auction preview, which goes on this Friday, December the 10th. The live in-person preview is from 10 AM to noon. It's, uh, It's open to the public. There's no dealer license required. There is a free online registration available at SierraAuction.com. 
Uh, the bid, is, the bidding begins online on Saturday, then December 11th at 8 a.m. And you can get the deals you deserve only at SierraAuction.com. For more information, you can always check out ESPNTucson.com. Now, some more Wildcat news. Some good news. Some not so good news. We'll begin with. Let's do the good news first. As Jetfish and his staff secured another commitment yesterday, Jacob Reese, an offensive lineman. Look, this is an area of need for the Wildcats. They talked about it during immediately following uh, the Territorial Cup game, basically like we need to focus on getting offensive linemen in here. We need, we need dudes on the offensive line. We need more depth. We need more dudes. They got themselves a dude. Jacob Reese, offensive lineman out of Salt Lake City. He was a previous commit to Utah State who are the Mountain West Conference champions. They decimated uh, San Diego State in the Mountain West Championship game. San Diego State, speaking of decimated, had about 20 starters out of that game because of COVID. Uh, So they were – it was a no-win situation for them. They really just got got railroaded there. Um, But nonetheless – they were able to spin him from his Utah State commitment. Um, and look, I love the mindset of this kid. There were Utah State fans taking to Twitter once they found out about this, and they were not so kind to Jacob Reese. And they're like, oh, yeah, great idea. Go from a Mountain West champion to a one-win team in the Pac-12. Bravo. Good choice, kid. And his response was, uh, it was something to the effect of, need to turn things around or it's I'm going to go make a difference or I need to uh, this team needs change and you know and I'm going to go help and basically that was that was the gist of his responses to these tweets that were out there yesterday so love the mindset a guy that wants to come in change the culture change the winning you know of and winning and losing aspect of this program wants to come in here and make a difference I'm all for that so Jacob Reese come on down love your attitude He's a three-star, uh, three-star recruit. Mentioned he formerly uh, committed to Utah State out of Salt Lake City, out of a big school in Salt Lake. So uh, glad to have that commitment. And the Wildcat commitments uh, will continue to flow in throughout the rest of the week during the early signing period. Bam Smith entered the transfer portal yesterday. Uh, Darius Bam Smith, who has been with the program for a few years now, didn't uh, really get on the field a whole lot. He was really, really shuffled uh, down the, the running back depth chart with Drake Anderson coming in. Of course, Michael Wiley being moved into that position, freshman Stevie Rocker coming in, and then the Wildcats were using a lot of Jamari Joyner, Stanley Berryhill at the running position. They were you know kind of moving in that direction. He did score a touchdown for the, for the Wildcats this year, and we wish uh, Bam all the best in his future endeavors as he transfers somewhere, uh, somewhere where he's going to get some more playing time. Now, on to the, the news that Keith Dodzinski, who was a linebackers coach for the Wildcats, also worked with the special teams coordination. He is going to be the new defensive coordinator at UMass following his longtime friend and colleague, Don Brown, who took the head coaching job just a few weeks ago uh, to UMass. This is not a surprise. I fully expected this to be the case. They are good friends. They uh, Keith Dzinski is from the area, of course. They've known each other for a long, long time, have worked together for a long time. This was completely expected, and I was just waiting for it to uh, to happen. So now the Wildcats and Jed Fish are charged with finding a new uh, linebackers coach slash someone who can coach special teams as well. I have a name. Now this name, I may be reaching on this. This may be an impossible 
type of hire just because of who he is and where he's currently situated. But, hey, shoot for the moon, you land amongst the stars, right? Here's the name. His name is Colton Swan. Who? Many of you are saying. All Colton Swan has done in his brief time coaching the linebackers at the University of Utah is produce two All-Americans, and Devin Lloyd will be the first linebacker taken. If he's not the first, the people are making a mistake. Uh, will be the first linebacker taken in the NFL draft in 2022. He was also able to convert Nephi Sewell, who is was considered an undersized linebacker, so they, they had him at safety. And he was like, no, 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 this kid's got linebacker mentality. I'll coach him up. And he was able to convert Nephi Sewell, brother, younger brother, of course, of Noah and Panay, um, into a linebacker. And all he did was get an honorable mention in the Pac-12 this year for his linebacking job alongside Devin Lloyd. Colton Swan is in his third season at Utah coaching the linebackers. Uh, Colton was previously at Weber State, where he played football. He was a linebacker at uh, at Weber State. And while he was at Weber State, he worked with linebackers for seven years and produced, uh, let's see, they won back-to-back Big Sky Championships while he was there. They were one of the best defensive teams in the country while he was there at the FCS level. Um, and I believe they had eight All-American linebackers during his seven years coaching at Weber State. The dude can flat-out coach. Oh, by the way, he was also the special teams coordinator at Weber State as well for the six, seven years, the seven years, the last uh, the last six years that he was at uh, Weber State, he was the special teams coordinator. So he's done that as well. He has that on his resume. He's a young guy. He's a hungry recruiter. And he is one hell of a football coach. I have seen the job that those linebackers have done at Utah. It is their best unit when previously defensive line was the best unit at Utah. This dude came in and made linebackers a priority, and they crush people with their linebacker play. This guy can flat-out coach. Um, if, If Jed Fish wants to make a splash, maybe think about getting this guy Find, you know, passing the hat around the athletic department, getting him a raise from what he's making at Utah, and you know, put him in a position to where he can also be like a co-defensive coordinator or something, or just let him completely take over special teams or something, something to give him a, a title um, and, and a raise coming over to Arizona. I, I listen. I, I this would be an absolute home run hire in my opinion. Colton Swan is a rapid rising up and comer. In the uh, in the world of uh, of coaching defensive coaches, specifically the linebacker position, he, everywhere he's been, the linebackers have improved. And again, ten All American honors during his time as a linebackers coach, uh, whether at Weber State or at Utah, and the best linebacker in the country this year, Colton Swan. That's his name. Um, I know. I mean, I, I'm I'm sure I'm very confident that Jed Fish and his staff know exactly who that dude is, and I would love for them to just give him a call make him an offer, and see if he's interested in jumping and making a difference here at Arizona. Again, it's, 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 a, it's a long, long probability uh, jumping to a, you know, an opposing team in the South Division. Not sure that he would do that, especially leaving the state of Utah where he's been his entire, basically his entire life. Um, but, you know, again, 
shoot for the moon, you land amongst the stars, it's at least nice to uh, to throw the guy an offer and let him know that you've noticed his uh, his abilities and, and his resume and uh, give him a shot. You know, you never know. Again, you never know what's going to happen. Something, they could say yes, right? You, you miss all of the shots that you don't take, so why not? All right, when we return, we're going to start to break down this Wednesday night's game, tonight's game against Wyoming, Arizona men's basketball back in action. Undefeated Wildcats taking on the unbeaten Cowboys. A big matchup for the Wildcats, potentially a trap game. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. 1490 AM and 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson welcomes the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. It's going to be Friday, December 31st, New Year's Eve at noon. A beautiful day in Tucson, right there at Arizona Stadium. The Central Michigan Chippewas chips up against the Boise State Broncos. Should be a great matchup, great fan bases. Uh, I was talking to some uh, at my at my Tuesday night uh, my Tuesday night venue for the the company that I run up here. There is a group of people that come in every single Tuesday. It's comprised of U of A alum and Boise State alum. It's a strange little uh, marriage there of friends. And uh, was talking to some of the guys last night from uh, from the Boise side, and they're all going to the game. They're all excited, and they're excited to see the halftime performance by former Creed lead man Scott Stapp, which is going to be awesome. I can't wait for that either. For more details, go to ESPNTucson.com. You can get tickets, details, and parking and all that kind of stuff. Check it out. It's the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl coming up on New Year's Eve at noon at Arizona Stadium. Uh, just a quick bit of news here as uh, it occurred uh, 30 minutes ago or so. I don't know who's going to be coaching Oregon in their bowl game. It might be a bunch of grad assistants at this point coaching the team because Mario Cristobal leaves from Miami, had his press conference yesterday, very inspiring press conference from uh, Coach Cristobal. Now it's reported that Oregon defensive coordinator Tim DeRuder, who has been a, a you know a well traveled, uh, well traveled uh, coordinator during his time, that both he and Marcel Yates, who was also on staff there at Oregon this season, have uh, have taken a job at Texas Tech to become the new DC and the new secondary coach, respectively, uh, there in Lubbock. So, and look, both of those guys have you know immense ties to the state of Texas. So uh, if the last person out the door would uh, kindly shut off the lights in the coaching, uh, the coaching offices there in Eugene, they would appreciate that very much. I, I mean, there's, their staff is decimated right now. I don't know who they're going to get for their head coach. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of things going on right now that are not in Oregon football's favor. I couldn't be happier. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, it's it, it doesn't look good right now for Oregon football. As I mentioned, it might be a bunch of GAs coaching their bowl game coming up against uh, Oklahoma. And uh, Bob, they look. Bob Stoops is coaching Oklahoma for that bowl game. Maybe they can go get like Nick Aliotti, who's been you know who's been the uh, the Pac-12 uh, analyst, football analyst for several years, the former defensive coordinator. Maybe maybe Nick Aliotti will come out come out of uh, retirement and coached the Oregon Ducks football team against his old adversary, Bob Stoops. Who knows? All right. Uh, A bigger game than it would appear on the surface tonight at the McHale Center 
as your men's basketball team, undefeated on the season, ranked number 11 in the AP and coaches poll, but more importantly, the number three net team in the entire country right now. Going to be taken on, also unbeaten, 8-0 Wyoming. And the, this game, there are plenty of fans out there, and I've seen it and heard it already. They're like, ah, it's an easy win for us, da 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 let me, let me give you two words, trap game. This game has trap game written all over it. And if those players aren't focused and aren't ready to come out and play from the, from the jump, they're going to get a test tonight because Wyoming is a solid, solid basketball team right now. They're an extremely well-coached team. Jeff Linder, who uh, came over there to, uh, to coach uh, Wyoming, he and, he and Tommy are very familiar with each other. They're, they're friends, actually. They tried to reschedule the game. Bruce Pascoe did a great job of kind of digging through uh, some of this stuff. They were actually trying to reschedule the game. It's not a, it's not a buy game for Wyoming. It's, I mean, Arizona's paying Wyoming $90,000 to, to come and play this game. So it's not like what you normally see where Arizona's paying $400,000 or something for a team to come to McHale Center uh, during an agreement. This is just a game that was, uh, that was scheduled by you know by the previous regime obviously this is uh, something that held over from them and uh, both teams i think were trying to get out of this but they just couldn't the game got actually rescheduled a couple of times um, because of certain situations and travel and teams wanted to play in neutral site tournaments and whatnot so here they are december 8th going to be tipping it off tonight and uh t- you know tommy it, it was talked about he was he actually quoted as like you know when i talked to jeff uh the head coach over there was like hey are we really going to do this and they both agreed to play and i think look i think it's healthy for um i think it's healthy for for friends and and you know things like that to just have a game against one another it's something you can talk about forever you won't schedule one another you don't you don't do that but if if you happen to play one another so be it um i know that family doesn't like to to play against one another that's different you know i know ncaa was always trying to put sean against archie you'd always see it like sean versus archie they always try to see if they could put dayton or indiana in the same bracket with arizona they were, it was it's like come on knock it off uh, you know just stop doing that we know those two don't want to coach against each other and when the game tips off obviously the tv crews will go nuts over it but i digress this game has trap game written all over it, not only because Arizona is going to be traveling to take on a, uh, a highly ranked team in Illinois this Saturday in Champaign, of course, because we can't have nice things. Um, the upcoming game against Tennessee, Tennessee loses last night in one of the worst basketball games I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Thankfully, I, uh, Illinois continues to win games, and, and uh, this will be a nice boost for Arizona. But this game also has trap game written all over it because of the style of the play of Wyoming. Wyoming is one of the most deliberate and one of the most fundamentally sound teams in the country. They, their pace of play is, is just, it's, you know, it's, I, think it's like, I think their tempo is like 290 in the country or something like that. Like it's, the tempo is bad. Like they, 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 they are very deliberate on offense. Their average length of possession is ranked 305th in the country. They don't play any type of, like, ball-hawking style of defense where they try to speed teams up. They want to slow you down as much as possible. Now, 
the interesting thing about all this is that as much as they like to slow teams down, they actually score quite a lot of points a game. They scored 85, 85. They scored 77 in overtime against Washington. They had a real, you know, knockdown dragout against Grand Canyon. Uh, that game was, was here in Phoenix. They won that game in Phoenix. They only scored 68 points. But then after that, they scored 108 in their win. They scored 79 against Fullerton, 77 against Denver. They just scored 79 in their win over McNeese. So they're scoring points, and it's largely because they are ridiculously efficient at scoring the basketball. They will essentially lull you to sleep, try to get your defense agitated, try to get you to to do something out of your realm or you know out of your uh, you know essentially out of your job of what you're supposed to be doing, trying to make a play because you're sick of playing defense. Um, <laughs> look, it happens, and then they get easy buckets inside. They're a very unique team. They have a they have a good big man in Graham Ike, um, not a big guy, six nine. Arizona's going to tower over this team, um, but they have one of the, I, I guess, one of the more unique style of players that Arizona's going to see this year. Essentially, their guy who who facilitates their offense is a guy by the name of Hunter Maldonado. He's a senior. He knows the system well. He's obviously their most experienced player. 6'7", plays the forward position, but it's almost like a point forward position. He's not a great shooter, but he is a great facilitator of the offense. So what they will do is he's their primary ball handler. He will handle the offense. The guards will spread out. Uh, They have a couple of guards who are are really good three-point shooters. They don't take a ton of them, but they're really good, and they knock down the shots when they're open. And Maldonado will just kind of facilitate the offense from, like, like from from the paint, essentially. He's right there 12 to 15 feet from the basket facilitating the offense. They try to get you into a small space, try to condense you, try to get you to, to cheat inwards, and then that's when they pass the ball out and, bang, knock down a three-pointer. Interestingly enough, though, the assist ratio of that team is they're like one of the worst teams in the country in um, assisted baskets, which is strange to me because they are so efficient at scoring the ball, especially from uh, you know from beyond the arc, they are very good uh, beyond the arc shooting the ball. So uh, they have a couple of guys that can really knock it down. But again, it is a very very deliberate approach. They try to slow everything down. They are very very good fundamentally. They do not turn the ball over. Um, I believe they're like I think they're number two in the country in in uh, offensive turnovers. They are just. Uh, fantastic. They're not going to turn teams over. They're dead last in the country in turning teams over. But they also don't force. Uh, they also don't give the ball up either. So Arizona is going to have to bide their time and take their fast break opportunities when they can. Missed buckets. Um, you know, I don't think Wyoming is going to try to crash the boards tonight. They're not going to send all five guys to the glass because they know that Arizona's got seven foot one, seven foot, six foot ten. They've got that front line that is so so uh, so dominant um, that it's not going to be a really a, a, a proposition for Wyoming to go and win the boards tonight. So Arizona is going to have to take their take their shots when they can, essentially, as far as getting out into the break and getting into that fast offense that they like. This may be a really ugly game. This may be a situation like what we saw against Wichita State, and it's going to be extremely important for Arizona to make their shots because 
I guarantee you Wyoming is going to pack that lane like you haven't seen before. They're going to pack that thing in so tightly that they're not going to give Christian Coloco, Umar Balo, or Azulis Tabellas any kind of room to breathe. So it's going to be important that when Arizona does get the ball into the paint that those bigs make their decisions quickly because that double and triple team will be coming. They are going to pack it in and force Arizona to shoot over the top of them. There are plenty of ways to beat the zone defense, and Arizona has all the tools, and they've shown it this year. They've they've beaten zones all year. They've beaten them like a drum. So I don't have issue with how Arizona plays the zone. They're going to have to play mind games, essentially, because that's what Wyoming is going to do. They are going to slow this thing down and frustrate and agitate those Arizona players who are liking the way that they get to play wide open basketball. So this is a this is a style fight and it's a trap game. I wouldn't be surprised if this game is closer than the I think 15 and a half is the uh, is the spread in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if the final is closer to 12 or 11 for Arizona having to make essentially some free throws uh, in the game. Also, uh, Wyoming really good at getting to the free throw line. They're one of the top teams in the country in getting to the free throw line as well. So they need to be looking at that um, as far as uh, as far as Arizona, you know, not getting frustrated and committing stupid fouls on those players that are that are trying to get to the free throw line and score when the clock isn't running. So be looking for that tonight. That game is going to be on the Pac-12 Network. Uh, it starts at uh, 8 o'clock. Also, if you're look, head out to, to McHale Center. Come check out a game. There's tickets available, and uh, the team wants you there, and it's going to be an exciting environment, and I think it'll be uh, a, tense, in, you know, a tense game tonight for the Wildcats. And if they do happen to bust it open, well, then it's party time at the McHale Center. So either way, you're a winner, and uh, we will talk about that game. We'll have all the reactions and stuff from that tomorrow on tomorrow's show. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, I'll put a bright, big, bright red shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Man, it goes by so quickly. Now, talking about Oregon, you know, last guy out the door shut the lights off, and that, that's going to be the case. They're going to have a complete overhaul of the coaching staff there now that uh, Mario Cristobal's gone, took a couple guys with him. Tim DeRuder and Marcel Yates taking jobs at Texas Tech. Who's going to be the next head coach? Well, I have some ideas of guys, and, and I think, I think these are legitimate, these are le- legitimate options to take over the job at Oregon. This is not a troll job or anything by me. I think the number one guy they should call, and, and I hope they don't, because I happen to think very highly of this coach, and I think that he should have been up for, uh, or he should be at least for Coach of the Year honors alongside Jim Harbaugh, and that's Dave Aranda, the head coach at Baylor. Just won the Big 12 championship. He took a team that was two and seven last year. They went eleven and two this year. He's from Southern California. He knows how to recruit Los Angeles. He's won a national championship with LSU as their defensive coordinator, and he's one of the best up-and-coming coaches, head coaches in the entire country. He just signed a new deal with Baylor, but Baylor's a private school, so we have no idea uh, how much it's worth. But certainly. Uh, Phil Knight and Nike can come up with something that will rival whatever Baylor is paying him. I think Brian Harson is is an option, although I know in the Pacific Northwest they're very stringent on 
vaccination clauses and things like that. And uh, he's he's been real quiet about the vaccination in his vaccination status there at Auburn. In fact, uh, you know, there could be an issue with him coaching uh, at Alabama in the state of Alabama um next season if that carries over if things don't change with you know vaccination mandates and things like that at at institutions i know that people are saying that chip kelly is is a is a candidate i don't see it but there is another pac-12 head coach that i think is a candidate and should be certainly considered and that's justin wilcox the head coach at cal don't you throw the record out his last two seasons at cal he's had to go through the absolute worst COVID-19 restrictions of any coach in the history of football because of the restrictions there at Berkeley. So throw the two records out for this year and last year. I think he's earned a chance at at least a spot at the table to talk with Oregon. And those are just three of the names that I think should be considered for the Oregon job. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Tyler Drake of Arizona Sports, our Cardinals insider. And, of course, thanks to Mary back in the studio for doing everything that she does and keeping us on the air here. Stay tuned for Spears and Ali today at 3 o'clock, and I will see you guys again tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. right here on 1490 a.m., 104.9 FM, ESPN, Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.